Uh, we're going to continue on in a series we're doing called Be the Church. We're going to take some time and work through the idea of what the church is. Let me also say quickly, you can, uh, if you want to be part of our online Bible Institute, you can take this for a course. It'll count as a course towards a degree. We have, uh, you can earn an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree at our institute. It's all free. And there's 117 or 18 courses on there now. 20 courses complete get you an associate's, 40 get you a bachelor's, and you can use your Sundays and Wednesdays towards uh, completing courses if you want. So um, this will wrap itself into a course over time. So I say all that to say this is going to be probably 15, 20 weeks, this series. All right? And uh, we're talking about the church, and the, the big point with that, uh, right off the bat, was uh, that when you talk about the church, when the Bible reads talking about the church, it's talking about people. It's either talking about the people from, uh, who have followed Jesus from the time of Jesus until now, that's the church, or a, a, a specific group of, uh, a group of believers in a specific place, that's the church. The idea is that we're the church. You're the church. Right now, we're the church gathered corporately. When you leave, you're still the church. You're just the church on mission. Uh, and so that we start to take in that church isn't something that we do. Church is something that we are. And that's a significant difference. Uh, and so we're, we're sort of used to the idea of church being something that we do. And we go there and then, you know, we're going to the church. We're coming to the facility, in effect, and and when we get here, we are the church. But that's something that we really need to let settle on us because it impacts us. And with that idea then, I, I brought this up at the end of last week's. I said, since the church is about people, it's ultimately about relationships. And it's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with the people of God. And it's about our relationship with the future people of God, those who don't know Jesus yet, who we want to have come to know Jesus. And that those relationships are developed in the context of um, worship, discipleship, fellowship, and mission. So we're going to be looking at those things throughout uh, this series. And we're going to start talking about what discipleship is today. And we'll be in that for the next few weeks. So that's the intro. Transition. Always a bad joke or two. These were quite bad, so I'm quite happy. Did you hear about the sensitive burglar? He takes things personally. I told you they were bad. This one's worse, believe it or not. Why do Olympic sprinters, uh, what do Olympic sprinters eat before a race? Nothing. They fast. They fast. They fast. Very fast. Scripture, <laughs> scripture reading here on purpose. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So the, the early church was people. They were, they were getting together. They were getting together regularly. Uh, they were praying together. They were worshiping together. They were eating together. Sometimes people ask me why we always have food here. Um, to me, and, and the way I read the, the New Testament, there was a lot of uh, stuff that happened around the table with Jesus. And, and there's something significant. And, and the 
That's why we, we always try and get back to that. A lot of things are happening when you're sitting around a, a table and you're, and you're eating with folks. It's, uh, it's just uh, the way that they would do it in the church and it, so we're the church and so we like to do that as well and, and so there was a lot of things going on and in verse uh, 42 um, the way you could read verse 42 was was that they were they persisted in the apostles teaching or they they persevered in the apostles teaching and the idea is that the people were learning uh, to live out uh, the things that Jesus taught and so it wasn't about building up knowledge but it was about their lives being impacted by the teaching. They were being changed from the inside out as they were yielding to the Holy Spirit. And they were, they were taking in all that Jesus had taught. And he taught the apostles and the apostles were now teaching them. And, and which was part of the commission. If you remember that last week, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We touched on that verse last week and I was really looking at the idea of how important it is to think about Jesus being with us always. It's life-changing and I would encourage you to think about Him with you always in, in what's going on. But what the, the apostles were doing is had been taught and commanded. They were teaching people to do the things that Jesus had told them to do, that Jesus had taught them. Uh, and this was the process. You know, Jesus hung out with these, these guys, his, uh, primarily his 12, but then another smaller select group he hung out with, and he trained them, he taught them. And he, the way that he primarily taught them was he lived it out among them, which we need to understand. That's what he did. He, he just lived this life the way it was supposed to be lived, and he invited people into that life, and it changed them. And, and then he said, now you go and do the same thing that I've done with you. I've, I've laid out the, the entire model. This is what it looks like. You go and do the same thing. And that's still what we have as the church today. We're, we're supposed to now, as the disciples of Jesus, the ones that are following Jesus, um, we're, we're following, uh, learning from him, and we're living this life out. And as we live this life out, it's to impact the lives of people around us. And so the apostles were helping all these people that were being added to the church daily to become disciples. And discipleship is the process by which we grow and mature uh, in, in Jesus. And, and so his disciples were, were learning to yield to the Spirit and learning how to do the next right thing. And, and then as part of the process, it's also to help other people on this journey and find their way in and then help them to continue on and, and live you know, full and abundant lives in the journey. So we need to understand that as, as part of this whole idea. Uh, this idea of discipleship, that, that we're allowing you know, the Lord to teach us and, and, uh, in, in the ways of yielding to the Holy Spirit, reading the Word, praying, hanging out, and all those things. Uh, and then at the same time, we're to impact the world around us by the lives, the lives that we live. I also want you to think for a moment, I, I said when we started this series, that we'd, uh, throughout this series we'd be talking about the importance of being um, upward and outward and inward. And, and so it, that's how the whole idea of this context of relationship, that's about our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, and our relationship to the world around us. And that you need to understand that ideas coming really from the Ten Commandments and why that's so important, because I think we often misunderstand the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments, if you remember, were given after the Exodus. It's important you get that. So the people of Israel had already been delivered. 
They'd already been set free. They'd been rescued. They'd been, in effect, saved. That had already happened. God had done that for them uh, already. And then after that, and he takes them through all these journeys, he's teaching them how to trust him and what that looks like. And so he's teaching them how to live. And then he speaks to them these, this actually the, it says ten words. Uh, we, we changed it to commandments, but it's ten words. Uh, he speaks these ten things in. Well, what we have a tendency to do is we, we've called those things, that, that we sort of shorten that for the law, when in effect the, the law, if you would, is really the first five books of the Old Testament, which is also known as the Torah. And the Torah means to point. And, and really all of those books are pointing to Jesus because that's where we're going to find life. But we, we tend to take these commandments and we, we sort of get very legalistic over them. And we think somehow that these are the things that we have to do in order to get saved. And it changes everything. But the reality is these were, these were given after the people had been saved, the picture of them being saved. And so the idea was this is how people that have been rescued, who've been delivered, who've been set free by God, these are the way that they're supposed to live, these idea of commandments. And that, that you can, as Jesus did, you can break them down into, it's all about loving God, all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first three. It's about loving your neighbors. Uh, that's the last six. And it's about loving yourself, which is really number four. And uh, that fourth one is so important because that's the idea of rest, is what's in the, the fourth commandment. It's about Sabbath, but it's about rest. And so um, if you're not at rest in your soul, you'll never love God the way that you're supposed to, and you'll never be able to love other people either. So it's really about how you love yourself is learning to be at soul rest by, by spending time with the Father and learning to yield to Him and how important that is. And I know for myself, any time that my soul's not at rest, um, uh, I'm just not in a good place. I'm not settled. I'm not at peace. Um, things are much more difficult than they need to be. And so I've, I've started to try and really catch myself and realize when things are irritating me beyond what they should. Alice and I, we, we go for a walk pretty much every morning for a couple miles. We uh, Early, like 7 o'clock before it gets too hot. And we, we walk pretty fast. And on one day this week, we were walking, and it was, it was hot, so I probably wasn't at my best, and you know, I'm sweaty. And, and uh, 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 somewhere on this journey, uh, this fly attaches itself to me. And I, I can't get rid of it, and it just keeps flying. Have you ever had one of those things that decides it's going to go with you for like a mile? And, it, and I almost lost my mind, and I'm swatting at it, and my wife is laughing hysterically, and it keeps bombing my head. And I'm like, why won't it leave me alone? And, and I realized that I was overly irritated. And it's a pretty clue, good clue that I'm just not in the spot because it shouldn't have been a big deal, but it, but it was. Uh, so when things are irritating me like that or things are going on, I, I try and catch myself that my soul's not at rest. But anyway, you have to be there. And then, then we love God. Those are the first three, and we do that all in. And then the last six are how we're supposed to be treated. We just need to take that in so that we understand how important that is in order to be the church, that, that we're to be loving God, we're to be loving others, we're to be loving ourselves, we need to be at rest, and that, that um, it was never intended to be a law thing, it was always a love thing. And so when you start looking at the Ten Commandments in that way, it starts to change everything in the way that we live. And I, I really think it helps us to settle in to be the people that we're called to be, and, and, uh, and that's where we find life, when we're not all the center of the story ourselves, but we realize it's his story, and he's invited us into his story, and how cool that really is. So, so we start thinking about those things, and you take that in, uh, in the process, and with that in mind, then we can talk a little bit about 
what it means to be a disciple. So that's point number one is that what is a disciple? Uh, a dictionary definition of disciple, I looked it up, is this one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. Um, one of the twelve in the inner circle of Christ's followers, according to the gospel accounts, or a convinced adherent of a school or individual. I think we, we have a tendency, just like that, to try and define a disciple as a person who does certain things or understands certain things. And while part of that is true, uh, it's only a part of what it means to be a disciple. Because the, the, the heart of being a disciple is about loving God all in. It's about grasping this bigger picture of what love really looks like. And, and God desires for us to be in a, in a passionate relationship with Him, a, a real relationship, a, one where we take time and we cultivate that relationship, where we understand the value of prayer and of, of reading the Word and of fellowship and of getting together and of being the, together as the church and uh, how important it is to be with other people and, and the, the idea of, of that, that this journey that we're on is so amazing, but it all starts in the, in the context of love in this process. And so... You know, when, I, when I'm talking about discipleship, I hang on to the idea of, you know, being upward and, and uh, outward and inward. And that this whole deal is a love thing. This entire thing is what that's all about. It's about His love for us, making a way for us to be reconciled to Him, and then us loving the world around us. So, um, let's look today at a couple of verses where Jesus talks specifically about being my disciple. And this is the first one, if you would, point number two. If you hold uh, on to my teaching... If you hold to my teaching. Uh, in John 8, 31 and 32, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So again, this idea is that, that holding on to his teaching means that we're, we're taking the things that he teaches us in his word, and we're actually applying them to our lives. That's where the disconnect is for a lot of people. They, 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 they start to study it and read it, but they're, they're not really applying it to their lives. They're not allowing the Holy Spirit then to change them from the inside out. And so they, they, they might get a whole lot of head knowledge, but it's not changing them, which is what it's supposed to do. Um, because as we allow that to happen, that's when we're set free. We know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And, and a big part of the truth is... That it's his story that he invites us into. It's not all about us. And we get stuck there. Our, our nature, our sin nature wants us to be the center of the story. And there's no life there. And yet we're, we're convinced that we have to hang tightly onto everything and make everything work a certain way. Because that's how we're going to have life work. And the opposite is true. And that's just hard for people to grasp. It's when we let go of all those things and trust him that he starts to make it work. And he's so much better at it than we are. He's just way better at it than we are. And... and when we can come to that place of trust, we enter into that place of rest, and that's where life really begins to free up. We don't have to carry things uh, as we sometimes do. We get so burdened by things that uh, just aren't that important. And so we need to be aware of that on this process. So we have to allow his teachings to change us uh, beyond head knowledge. And, you know, I always get back to it's about living by trying to do the next right thing. If you've been here, you've heard me say that. We have bracelets by, I, I say it almost every message. I, I'm sure I do say it in every message. But, but living by doing the next right thing, you know, I would say it's not always our first choice. Even, even when you know the right thing, 
you may not always choose to do the right thing. Sometimes, just, and if you don't agree with me, okay, but sometimes they think we, we do the expedient thing or um, we do the shortcut thing. This, anybody? We do the easy thing. Um, we do the, oh, nobody will know thing. Uh, or we do the sarcastic thing. I do that one a lot. Uh, in fact, that was a little sarcastic just then. Or, um, or we do the, the I'm going to do what I feel like doing thing. Or we, oh, oh, God wants me to be happy, doesn't he thing. And we'll, we'll do those things instead of doing the right thing. And we need to be aware of that. And when our souls are at rest, it's much easier to do the next right thing. Uh, and, and I would say, you know, if, if you can pick up on this, um, when you're more tempted to do something that's not the next right thing, if you can clue into the fact that it's your soul, it's a soul condition, you can do something about it. It just means, uh, if I'm tempted to do something that sort of I know I shouldn't be doing, it's my soul that I need to straighten out. And I can just go and... Uh, you know, one of the things I'm most amazed by is how quickly that that can be changed. I can get off track... And, and if I, the moment I realize it, and I can just say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm way off track here. I don't want to be like that. I, my soul comes back. And then he empowers me to do the right thing. It's, it's, it's not I have to build up a whole bunch of will or anything else. It's just about that place of rest and yieldedness that's so important for us. And so when, when, you're, when you're struggling with the next right thing, uh, if you can sort of clue into the fact that that's a soul issue, then, then you can really kind of connect with him and he can help you with it. And then when your soul's at rest, you will do the next right thing. And then third, disciples, uh, they're known by loving one another. So point number three, if you love one another. John 13, 34 uh, and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. Uh, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another another. So as his disciples, we're to be living examples of what love looks like. And what God wants for us is to come to this place of rest in him so that we get our identity from him. We talked a lot about identity. So we're not running around throughout the course of our lives just trying to put out all the fires of chaos in our lives where we're constantly burdened and we're constantly sort of dripping with guilt and with misery and everything else. He wants us to get to that place of being settled in him so that um, we're after, we're, we're moving after the right things. We're, we're heading in his direction. Um, and, and, and so we're not all about putting fires out all the time. But what we end up being about then is the father's business. That needs to resonate with a few of you, I can tell right now. So, so I'm going to say it again. Do you ever feel like you're in a place in your life where all you're doing is running around putting out fires? And, and if that's true for you, you need to get a hold of this whole thing, that, that you need to get into his rest so that you spend your life living for him, doing what he wants, because that's where life is, doing his business instead of this constant. And, and it's another sign that we're off step if all we're doing is rushing around life, putting out fires. And you weren't designed to live that way. You weren't. You, you need to be people that trust and, and let him carry some of these things for you. And, and so when you can get to that place of rest, that's the abundant life zone. That's why I want to keep bringing it up. That, and that's what he wants for us as a church, that, that, that we look different from the world around us so that they're attracted to it as well. Because the world is running around like that, putting out fires, and it's tiring. They're exhausted. 
And, and so if, we, if we're not showing them that way, then, then we're not helping them on this journey. So, so here's how Jesus talks about love, which is cool. Let me read this, John 15, 12 through 17. Uh, and it says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Now, there's something very cool that happens in those verses, um, and it's a, a Bible technique that you should know, that verse 12 says, this is my command that you love each other, and verse 17 says, this is my command that you love each other. Uh, in in the, the Bible way of looking at that, that's called an inclusio. And what that means is that the, the stuff in the middle of the, it's like bookends, the beginning and the end, the same thing. If you, and when you come across that in Scripture where they make, Jesus makes a point, or any of the writers make a point, and then they make that exact same point, everything in the middle is how you're supposed to do that. And so what Jesus says there in the middle that's so important is that um, uh, he's talking about loving uh, well. And he says, you know, we've got to be not selfish. We've got to get outside of the center of the story. And he said in in the same process that uh, he chose you and that you're to bear fruit on this journey. So that uh, this this understanding of how we're to love has to do with the fact that he chose us and that we're to bear fruit that will last. And so... um, you need to know that you're chosen by him. That's very important uh, in this process because he, he chooses us because he loves us. And some people want to know how they're chosen. Let me, let me explain it to you this way. Um, there's a verse in Matthew 22:14. It's not in your notes. Uh, but it says that many are called, but few are chosen. And here's what I, I believe that happens. Is there's an invitation that goes out to all of us. Uh, it's called the gospel or the good news. We talk about the gospel, the good news here all the time, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again according to the scriptures, that that's the good news. That's what people need to hear and respond to in order to be reconciled to God, a realization that their sin has separated them from God, but God has made a way for us in Christ. When we respond to that invitation in faith, we're then chosen. Where he's, so fewer, many are called, but fewer chosen. And so he chooses you because you've responded to that invitation. And, and so you've been chosen in Christ based solely on his love for you. He, he wants you in relationship with him. And he's chosen you for purpose, for an action. He didn't just choose you for the sake of choosing you. Everybody is chosen for something. Now, if you're not careful there, you think, oh, this whole is a big works thing. Not even close to that. It's not that you've got to keep some sort of list in what happens. But there's something about reflecting on the idea that you've been chosen that will impact you in the way you relate to other people because he chose you. I don't know about you, but when he chose me, I was a mess. Still a mess, but I was a worse mess. And so I was in all sorts of things that I shouldn't have been into as a young man and, and just... I wasn't a, a, a nice person in so many ways and just so rough and, and just I, I look back at it and I know that I'm set free from that but it's like oh I can't believe I was like that because I'm so different now but he chose me then because he saw the beauty of potential in me and, and I think it's important that you go back and reflect on that every now and again 
so that you understand how desperately people who don't know Him need to know Him. Even when they're, when they're giving you a hard time or whatever, there's something powerful in realizing that you've been chosen in this process. So He's chosen you, and that's very important. And, and then He's chosen you for something, and, and He wants you to bear fruit that will last. Uh, here's what He says in this, John 15:8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we're chosen and, and we're, we're to be productive. We're to make a difference on the world around us. Uh, and, and this is all this idea of tying together, being upward and outward and inward. We're to make a difference. We're here today because the church has gone before us. The people that have gone before us were productive. They, they did what they needed to do and they shared the gospel uh, so that we, we have it today, so that we know it. And we're to be doing that as well. We're to be making fruit that will last. See, the, the church, as more people are, when people are added daily, like in the new church, they were being productive and they were bearing fruit that lasts and continues to last in us till this day. And we're to continue on. And so, so we continue as the church to make sure that we get this, that we understand how important this is, this whole idea of loving God, loving others, loving ourselves on the journey. Paul really had this nailed down in Philippians 2, 1 through 4. He says this, if you, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and passion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. See, Paul got what the church was to be all about. That, that we understand that we've entered into his story, which is much greater than our own. He's invited us in. That it's the most amazing story you could ever be in. There's no greater life than being in Christ. But we're not the center of the story. We matter in the story, but we're not the center of it. He is. And, and as we get that figured out, that's when life begins to sort of make sense and becomes full and abundant and, and a place where there's joy. Even in the difficult circumstances, there's something about that rest that we can find that impacts the world for him. And so this is sort of the beginning of what it means to be a disciple. And we've got a lot more to talk about that, but we'll have a few more weeks to do that. So uh, I don't have to cram too much into this time. But that was enough. Plenty of things for you to think about on this journey where we're at and we'll pick it up from there next week uh, and we'll continue on uh, talking about that but that's good for now if you're watching my video thanks for watching love for you to join us when you can but we're we're thankful that you've joined us uh, on the internet and we uh, 